everybody. Welcome to the show. This is the Game Bites Podcast. My name is Legrand, and I'm here with Jeremy and Dale. Hello. Hello. Oh my god, that was chipper. <laughs> wow. I thought that would throw you off. Did it work? We're ready. We're, we're pumped. Marlboro. 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 Carrying on some conversation from before the show about the uh, Final Fantasy enemy Marlboro. 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 It's difficult to pronounce. It popped up in a Final Fantasy 15 gameplay teaser from uh, Gamespawn.com. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, and I was just thinking back to my FF11 days, and I could have swore there was a different name for them in that game, but I can't remember what it was now. Um, in Final Fantasy 11? Yeah, but you know, that wasn't uncommon because they would do like basically the equivalent of palette swaps where they would have like they would reuse the same model 10 times and name it something different in each zone that this it, one's purple well and, and you know this one's higher level and this one has a special attack because it's uh, super high level etc etc but we haven't been playing final fantasy 15 no we've been playing other games so we're going to talk about the games that we've been playing over the past week jeremy's been gone so I'm assuming he's been playing some mobile games to talk about. That is absolutely correct. You are, in fact, correct. I want everybody to return with me to the 90s. The dream of the 90s is alive in my playlist this week. Marlboro. <laughs> so I, uh, I started out by uh, going back to a uh, remake of an, of an old game that I played a lot in uh, probably the mid to late 90s. Uh, Gabriel Knight, Sins of the Fathers, was remade by Phoenix Online Studios. Uh, you may, if you were playing adventure games at the time, you might remember it as the um, kind, kind of the forebear of young adult fiction, supernatural horror romance uh, dramas. So uh, the the game was a, a Sierra game, so it was originally published by Sierra and, and also developed by Sierra. Uh, Jane Jensen, who was a writer for the King's Quest series, uh, got to start her own uh, her own franchise, and Gabriel Knight is what came of that. Uh, so the game is a point-and-click adventure, uh, character-based point-and-click adventure, and uh, you star, of course, as the titular Gabriel Knight, the eponymous uh, Schattenjager. So he is uh, the descendant of a long line of uh, witch hunters and uh, demon hunters and those kinds of things, but he doesn't know it. So at the beginning of the game, you start out uh, kind of as... as Gabriel, who is in a, a bit of a creative rut. He's a writer, and he owns a bookstore that's uh, neither of which are terribly successful pursuits for him, and he is investigating some voodoo murders going on in the city of New Orleans. Voodoo and murders. Voodoo murders, that's right. Sounds so, pretty good. It's like True Detective. It, it, yeah, exactly. So it's like the True Detective, True Blood, uh, you know, any of those things, and, and it starts out as sort of a, and, and again, this was in the late, you know, mid, mid to late 90s, so this was long before any of that stuff. Uh, but it really follows the same pattern. So in some ways, I could see that if you're not familiar with it, you could look at it and say, ah, oh, you know, it's just a, just one of those kinds of things that now we have flowing over uh, in all of our media. But uh, it, it's actually really clever. Uh, the writing is funny. The uh, it follows kind of the same format, I guess you might say, as a, as a King's Quest style game. Uh, but of course, they've reimagined it and added some some new features for. Uh, for the, for the remake. Uh, so the remake was released last year on PC, and then it came out this... In fact, I want to say just in the past month or so <clears throat> on Android and iOS. And they've redone all of the art. They've redone all of the voice acting. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but the part of Gabriel Knight was originally played by Tim Curry. Um, yeah, Mark Hamill had some voice work in this. Uh, Michael Dorn, oh. Worf, 
well, from Star Trek, The Next Generation yeah. was in it. Uh, so it was really a, a tour de force of voice talent, and uh, they've, they've redone all of that, and they've kind of simplified the interface a little bit, where before you would have... Um, Icons that represent, you know, some of the primary verbs, like you could look at things or talk to things or uh, touch things or use things. Uh, now they've sort of got a, a touch-based interface where if you touch a thing, you it'll automatically pop open with the available actions that you can do to that thing. Are you playing on uh, on mobile, on like tablet or something? I am, yes. Playing I'm playing on, on Android tablet. Uh, so the game, in fact, actually the first chapter of the game is free. So they, uh, I, I want to say it's... 10 chapters, something like that, and uh, each pair of chapters after the first one is they, it's kind of a microtransaction, so you pay a couple bucks and get a couple of extra chapters, or of course you can buy the whole thing all at once. Uh, but if you're interested in trying it out, you can try the first episode uh, gratis, and uh, I want to say the download is about a gig and a half, so it's a little bit... Aye. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a full production, so... Um, and it's kind of interesting to see how... How, as kind of a remake, the game fits in with current mobile aesthetics. Um, most adventure games on mobile that are that are you know new, native made for mobile uh, platforms, they're kind of more adventure games in the style of Myst or something of that sort, where there's no real character. You're sort of looking at a scene and you can tap on things to activate them or to search for hidden objects. I mean, a lot of that is what you get from adventure games these days. The the Telltale games, was it kind of like those? Because those are really good on mobile. I played um, a bit of the uh, Wolf Among Us on, I, on iPad, and uh, it's, you, you have a, con- a character that you control and you tap to kind of move your dude around, yeah. just like the PC versions. It's kind of like that, I guess. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And they've added a few new um, a few new things in addition to the, the streamlined interface. Uh, for example, in old Sierra adventure games, uh, if you clicked on an area of the screen and you, you, you'd pretty much have to wait for your character to make the journey, you know, walking at their animated speed and get, going all the way across. Right. They have a thing now where you can double tap anywhere if you want to, and he'll automatically sort of fade out and fade in at the new location, so they make it kind of easy to navigate around. Uh, they also make where if you touch and hold, so this is actually something that critics of adventure games, Dale, <coughs> will uh, appreciate. Uh, which is that if you touch and hold the screen, it will pop up all of the hotspots, all of the things that you can that you can actually click on. So, well, that's convenient. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Yeah. I uh, I remember adventure games taking a lot longer to play uh, back then, but I was able to get through a you know fairly significant portion of the story uh, fairly easily. And I don't even I'll be honest, I didn't even remember the solutions to a lot of the puzzles. Um, and you know, it's very puzzle light. Uh, most of it was just kind of understanding what... I mean, there are dialogue options that you need to progress. They also highlight the important ones, so you kind of know which ones are, are going to carry you along in the story. Uh, the game is divided into days, so each of the chapters roughly equates to a day in the adventure, and the day does not progress until you have encountered all of the significant things. You've either collected uh, evidence, or you've talked to people and, and gotten clues about where to go next. Um, you know, Interviewing people about, uh, what can you tell me about voodoo or uh cabri sancour which uh kind of a fun kind of kind of a fun little uh cool. uh you know, repetitive line to, to ask everybody in the game but uh the the writing is also very funny uh gabriel's assistant grace is uh his sort of research assistant she runs the bookstore for him and if you find something significant she will uh be the person that you go to research that and she picks this guy apart he's a womanizer he's really kind of a douchebag um, but she stands right up to him. And Gabriel Knight puts him in his place. Yeah, he is. He's he's not. You know, he doesn't really start out as a very sympathetic character. He's uh, um, just just kind of um, 
listless in life and is just generally kind of a, a creep uh like i said sort of a, a womanizing character but uh she is uh definitely uh, more than his match verbally so uh so generally cool. speaking i i was i was pretty impressed with it and i was pleased with the amount of progress that i could make in a you know a plane ride here and there and uh did you finish it no i didn't i didn't get that far but i got a lot farther in it than i thought i would actually and uh, it was definitely very enjoyable um the music in that game is really good uh the the narrator uh they have kind of a uh, i want to say like a miss cleo sort of uh southern louisiana new orleans kind of uh miss cleo that's a good point yeah so back to the 90s like i was saying come come with me come with me to the 90s um but anyway just just very highly recommended by me anyway and uh, you know if you want to try the first chapter for free it's uh it's not microtransaction in that sense it's literally just the first day of of the game um you know, just whenever you want to try it. So as long as you have the space, I, I would definitely give it a shot. Sweet, yeah. Uh, the other thing that I've been playing also, uh, vaguely 90s, I'll try and uh, keep it brief here, but Hotline Miami 2, which I know I've been threatening for a long time that I would eventually play. My uh, fancy vinyl uh, vinyl records of the soundtrack came in the mail, and along with them <laughs> a, uh, a little... They kind of do it... They do a fun little packaging job of it, too, because the uh, voucher for the game came on a sort of a prepaid calling card, and uh, <laughs> and the album cover is uh, you know very decked out in in that uh, kind of psychedelic '90s. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there wasn't a lot of psychedelic stuff in the '90s, but somehow it just was fits. It, the game's in the '80s, bro. No, this game is now in the early '90s. Uh, is so it? there are flashbacks. It does jump back to 1989. But uh, so, so let's talk about this. So Hotline Miami. If you haven't played it, we'll just really quickly summarize it. Top down, uh, brutal, rapid action murder simulator i mean that that it's one of the most violent yeah. and and messed up games i think i've ever played yeah um, and yeah, it's uh, got a hell of a soundtrack yeah oh yes. absolutely, absolutely that's the only reason why i played it so we that's have a reason partly to put why i wanted in. to bring it up so i've got a lot of new tracks now that we can put in the uh, feel free show. to bring it up every week because it's really good i kind of might uh so anyway it's <laughs> top down and it's very fast and it Every you basically are trying to clear a room or clear a a floor a building floor of pretty much Russian mafia guys for the most part and uh, guys in white you know polyester suits those kinds of things and they all have knives and crowbars and guns and things and you can kill them in pretty much one hit if you can get to them but they can kill you in pretty much one hit too uh, if you die you pretty much restart right away so this is this this game really rides a fine line of being super super just pissed off at it. But then you're back in the action so quickly that you almost don't even care for the most part. And it's so much fun that it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it is. And and it almost works like a puzzle because the game is laid or the, the rooms, the floors are laid out in a in a certain way where you kind of plan a strategy and you're like, There's no way I'm gonna get this guy. He's he's got a gun and he's across this long distance. There's no way I'm gonna be able to get him from there. So you might be sort of guided into other rooms or other areas and eventually work your way back around and when you clear a floor you can go to the next one. Uh, eventually if you clear the whole building you progress the story, which uh that is one thing that is different in Hotline Miami two. In Hotline Miami one there were sort of hints of some kind of narrative, but it was super like I don't know, like drug-induced, like you don't know what's going on. Guys there were, as you went from stage to stage, like like days passed or one or two days would pass or something. Mm-hmm. And you would always start in your, your home and you'd get a, a call from like the mysterious guy who sends you on missions. From the hotline Miami. Yeah, exactly. And, and But things in the house would change, you know, over time. Um, yeah, you had a girlfriend at one point. You went and rescued that girl yeah. and brought her back. Did you guys – just, Jeremy, when you were kind of summing up the, the how Hotline Miami played, um, I noticed you didn't mention the, like, incredibly infuriating boss battles that, that it had. 
Um, yeah. At least one or two of. Uh, one being the like motorcycle motorcycle helmet guy. Do you remember? Yes, right. Yes, yeah, where that. you have to go up and then and he. Uh, I can't remember what it was about. I think he would take a bunch of hits or something. I can't remember. Yeah, he would. Yeah, it was just a pain in the ass. I mean, he had. Yeah, yeah. he was hard, man. It took me like forty tries, probably. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But the thing is, you lose count. I mean, I I try any given thing so many times that it almost the number of tries loses meaning. Um, and, which is appropriate for the game because everything loses meaning in this game. You don't know what's going on necessarily. I mean, there is a plot, and if you can sort of piece together, it's kind of like a like an indie movie or something where if you if you're following along close enough, maybe you can kind of tell what's going on. And really, in the first game, if you got the secret ending, there was something that you kind of you kind of did find out what was going on. These guys are are basically trying to eliminate this uh, this Russian mafia that's entrenched in in Miami. And uh, they, th- so the the story in Hotline Miami two sort of carries that along but it jumps between a lot of different points of view um you know you you play from the point of view of a cop who i guess is also kind of secretly a murderer but he doesn't really know it um you play people who start out with certain intentions but then suddenly they're murdering people with crowbars um there's a writer yeah exactly he's a he's a writer and there's the vigilante group that you're playing yeah exactly and and they all have different little elements to them like the writer for example his first level uh you can't use any ranged weapons like he'll start out and you have to beat people with your fists and if you can do two like coup de gras kills with him then he'll like take off his jacket and then suddenly he'll he'll you know pick up assault rifles just fine but if you try and use a gun before that he oh empties, really yeah he empties the clip and so you're like I, oh. I never even used that guy that way i just kind of was like a non-lethal yeah run no you, if you dude. if you could beat two people to death so in addition to just going up smacking people and they fall down dead with a lot of blood because there's gore and blood and like brain bits are, are falling all over but you can also if you knock someone down you can actually jump on top of them hit the x button and start like literally beating their face in and like little pixelated blood smears go on the walls and everywhere it's really graphic but really well done and, and really satisfying I guess but this particular character if you do that a couple of times with him the the screen starts to get like a redder tint to it and a redder tint and then he like takes off his jacket and he's like this bare armed dude and he will bear arms at that point so he will yeah he'll, he'll pick up guns. Um, That's awesome. And then the other thing, of course, are the masks. You can play as the mask characters. Each one has a special ability. Like some of them will do jump rolls. Some of them, uh, like I like to play as Tony, who does not pick up weapons, but all of his punches are immediately lethal. Yep, I love um, that dude. Yeah. He's the best. So, uh, and of course, the soundtrack, like Dale mentioned, uh, and, and of course we all know, is uh, really, really well done. And I look forward to listening to it as I listen to the podcast again. So uh, I haven't played too much of that because I just got the stuff yesterday, but I've already put in a couple hours. And uh, what, yeah, what platform are you playing on? Uh, I've been playing on Vita but then I popped it into PlayStation 4. So it's cross-save. Cross-save is automatic, and it happens uh, pretty seamlessly. Uh, I was able nice. to go from my Vita directly to the PS4. Uh, and it's funny, too, because the, the visuals, uh, it, on, in one sense, they're sort of pixelated, and they look like a game from the 90s. Like, not you know not like 8-bit, not even 16-bit, but like something that you might see in like Grand Theft Auto 1, for example. I was just like going to say that, like, like the original GTA. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the the overlays in the background are like really like murky and weird and colorful and hard to pin down. And I never know if something is malfunctioning on my TV because they invert the (laughs) colors of the fonts and stuff so quickly. It's just, it's just weird to look at and it's weird to experience. Uh, And if you haven't played hotline Miami one, try that. Uh, Hotline Miami two doesn't really start you out with much of a learning curve. It's pretty much here you are, you know how to play this. Um, but e- either one, though, is uh, is uh, definitely worth experiencing. Yeah, it's, it's definitely... I, I played through it on the PC. I played the first one on the PC, and then I played uh, the first one on the Vita. And I also played through the entire second one on the Vita. And I really, really like it on the Vita over the PC. I just think it's... 
it's perfect for that handheld, you know, close up in my face. Also, the touch screen is useful to, you know, target the dudes instead of clicking on them with the middle mouse cursor, you know. They added a it's... more codified, I mean, they added actually a button now to target people in, in this, which I don't think they had in the first game. It's um, it's there. If you uh, click in the mouse wheel, you can, yeah, it's the mouse wheel. You lock on uh, a guy. I never played it on PC. On, on the Vita, you just touch him with the, on the touch screen. It's awesome. Yeah, exactly. You can target anybody that you want to. So that's that's my trip to the '90s. That's where I've been for the past week or so. And uh, well, thanks, uh, Dale. Um, yeah. So so this week is L week. Uh, I've been playing a game called Lugaru HD. Uh, Lugaru, uh, imagine Max Payne, but you're a rabbit. Oh my god. Basically. Um. So it starts off where you are. Um, yeah, everybody's an anthropomorphic rabbit or wolf in this game, it seems like. Um, and in the beginning, um, you start off... This is a pretty old game, by the way. I, I, it must have come out in, like, 2005 or six or something. Because it, it, it's, like, S... Um, or what? Not SD resolution, but 4 by 3 resolution, or screen aspect, basically. Um, and you can run it in, in HD resolutions, but it still doesn't look quite right and it, it looks kind of like pre half-life 2 graphic style uh, but then it also I think it was probably just developed by one person or maybe two so uh, it's kind of um indie I guess in that regard but like I said you're playing as an anthropomorphic rabbit and at the very beginning of the game you're uh, much like Max Payne basically your village is is betrayed by uh, one of the rabbits who lives there and this other group of like raider rabbits come and um, kill everybody, including your your wife and daughter. And so you swear, you know, rabbit vengeance and <laughs> um, go on a sort of quest across the land, hunting down all of the various members of the uh, the the raiding party and um, whatever you know nation that they were allied with. And plus the the people that betrayed the village in the first place, and um, I haven't made it that far in, but I'm I'm led to believe that it eventually turns into a sort of political struggle with um, with a, a nation of wolves that is trying to I don't know destroy the the rabbit nation from within or something. Man, those pesky wolves! They're wolves though. Couldn't they just eat the rabbits? I mean, I'm yeah. right. Wouldn't you think so? But but here's the thing though: is that a lot of these the rabbits, rabbits know kung fu. Exactly, right? they're they're like kung fu masters. <laughs> Um, and so that's the thing in this game. You play a kung fu fighting rabbit. Um, uh, I, you know, I mentioned Max Payne, but there, as far as I know, there are no guns in this game. You do get knives, though. And you can, um, throw the knives at enemy rabbits or, um, just beat the hell out of them with your hands. And it, it actually has a fairly deep and pretty complex fighting system to it so it's it's even more in depth than something like like devil may cry in fact it's it's pretty different from those it's it's everything's context sensitive so it's kind of all physics based as well it's not yeah exactly it's it's more more like like when when you swing your arm it feels like you're actually swinging your arm you only have one attack button and that's just the the click on the mouse but it's depending on what stance you're in and how close you are to the enemy rabbit and whether you're like flying through the air or running quickly or um, just crouching or if you're like 
doing reversal when they attack you, which you can do by tapping the crouch button. Um, you can throw people, you can mix two or three different directions and stances and, and actions to accomplish different types of attacks. Um, just playing through the tutorial, it like loads you up with way more than you'd ever be able to process um, right away. And um, so, but yeah, it, it seemed like, on the one hand, it's, it's a pretty interesting game because of what it's doing and, and just how sort of singular its focus seems to be. But on the other hand, it's, you know, it's old and it's indie, so it's kind of busted in a lot of facets. So when you when you compare it to Max Payne, do you mean that it's a third person? Yes, it is. Okay. A, yeah, it's, it's a third person, hyper fast action game. You don't have bullet time in, in Luguru. Um, you have a rabbit time. <laughs> no, you don't have any sort of time at all, really. It's yeah. just it. But it, it just the sort of um, how serious it takes itself is almost kind of could could almost be read in that sort of noir like vengeance e revenge sort of film sort of thing they murdered um, my rabbit family and i went for revenge yeah exactly I, I feel like max Payne was even winking a little bit at the camera when in doing that um but this is like it's just playing it to the hilt um <laughs> like all the way um that's awesome so yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting game. It's, it's really difficult. I only got to about the fifth or sixth level, um, and I kept dying because it was it wanted you to kind of do a, a little bit of a stealth thing where you sort of crept around a perimeter and took out guys in in ones and twos, and I would uh, always manage to screw that up somehow and, and get killed. It's interesting. I would say I would recommend checking it out. There was supposed to be a sequel to it called Over. There is a sequel. Overgrowth. It's called Overgrowth. It's actually up for early access on Steam. Yeah, and it's been on early access for like for two or three time. years now. I don't yeah. know that it's ever going to be finished. But yeah, so that's that's Luguru. I, I think I got it in the humble bundle at some point, and I also own it. I don't. I don't think I've never played it either. It's kind of been on my list. I've I've actually looked at it and kind of gone like, oh, I kind of want to do a rabbit game. It's it's I would say check it out. Unlike some of the ones that I've gone through here, I, I would just dismiss. But uh, uh, yeah, this is kind of interesting. Uh, so the other thing I've been playing, um, aside from some Fallout, I'm still trying to finish all the DLC in New Vegas. But uh, I mentioned on the Sunday show um, games with higher barriers to entry. Basically, I mentioned Endless Space, and uh, so I've been playing some of that. I went back um, almost a year to the day, actually. Um, from the last time I tried to play this, because uh, I, I looked at my old save files and they were like, I think one or two days off from being exactly a year previous. Um, but yeah, so I started the game on like basically newbie mode, um, kind of like the smallest galaxy map, only one other uh, civilization out there to contend with. And um, I'm just kind of trying to learn all the systems about how to uh, <clears throat> colonize systems and, and exploit their resources and build fleets and, and just the sort of flow of the game to try to kind of ferret out exactly how to play it. And the one thing I, um, or one of the things I really want to get into with this and with, with Endless Legend as well is the, um, the faction design in these games is really interesting. There's, uh, all sorts of various races and, and, um, types of factions with different methods of victory to attempt there. I've seen people mention it a couple of times as far as, in fact, when I was talking about Sorcerer King, uh, people were mentioning it to me that, oh, yeah, have, you, have you played this? Have you played this? And uh, people seem to really... Yeah, I mentioned I mentioned Endless Legend there. Um, oh, so it's different. Okay. Well, there's Endless Space and there's Endless Legend. And, and yeah, they're, they're different games. 
Um, this one is sci-fi theme and the other is sort of fantasy theme, but they take place in the same universe. Whoa. Oh. They're linked thematically and in the canon. There's also the Endless Dungeon, which is apparently like a crashed endless spaceship that germinates the world for the Endless Legend campaign Whoa. or something. Um, it's too much. I, this, I'm just a huge sucker for that sort of stupid thing. Uh, but also the, the thing about these these two games, um, the 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 4x strategy games, um, Endless Space and Endless Legend, is that they are unparalleled when it comes to uh, like UI design. Uh, that it, it's it just looks so elegant and it's so um, you know what's the word? It's just the ease of use is there. Uh, that everything is presented in like kind of just the way like a perfect way to, to where it's only takes one or two clicks to get anywhere to do anything you want to do. You have a lot of stuff always sort of present with you on the screen, but it doesn't take up like the whole screen. It's just, it's like a couple of boxes at the bottom and there's, you know, smart icons and, and everything down there. It's just the, visually, they're just kind of like a real pleasure to, to deal with these games. And, and, you know, the graphics and the art are really great too. Uh, but like I said, yeah, the faction design is, is what's really interesting about these. I think um, Space and, and Legend both have somewhere in the neighborhood of eight, eight to ten factions. Uh, and a lot of them are completely novel. Like um, uh, in, um, in Endless Legend, which is, is analogous to like a, a civilization game, basically, there's one faction where you can never build any more cities. All you can do is go around the map and sort of exert political influence on some of the smaller outposts that are there. So like a Civ Five um, analog would be the uh, city-states there. And basically you you play as like a mysterious cult of, of you know, some god or, or some something like that. And basically you, your win condition is completely different from a lot of other factions where it could be either... Um, Victory points for diplomacy, or just out-and-out out expansion, aggression, um, attack, and conquering people, or what have you. But uh, so these basic the games are, are you can kind of think of them as like civilization-esque 4x games, but um, they're doing some interesting stuff that uh, Firaxis and and you know whoever else does this type of game is, you know, they're kind of going off in a slightly different. Direction. I was going to ask you, who do you remember who makes these? I, I mean, yeah, it's someone... they're, they're called Amplitude. Amplitude is the developer of these, the, the these three games with endless in the title. Endless stuff. Yep. Yeah, and Endless Space Two was just announced like a week or so ago. Oh, not um, nice. So yeah, it's it's cool. I'm I'm only a few hours in. Uh, you know, just still kind of trying to learn the game, but I want to ramp up and at least play a little bit with each of the factions, just because they're so. They're all different from one another and, and unique. So. It seems like a pretty big time sink to do that. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. No stranger to that. <laughs> Fun. Well, LeGrand, what have you been up to? Uh, so I've got a, a couple things to talk about, and I just have a couple things I want to mention just because I really haven't been playing a lot of games outside of like Hearthstone and Heroes of the Storm this week. Good night, um, everybody. <laughs> no, just kidding. And while I don't want to talk about those, uh, I, I will mention that I did pick up. Um, I wanted to play an RPG on my Vita or on the 3DS, and so I chose to play Final Fantasy VI on the Vita. Uh, so I'm playing the PS1 version. Um, it's a game that I've tried to play multiple times, even on the original SNES. Um, and 
and even on, I tried it on an emulator. I own it on the Wii, and, and I've never been able to get through it. So I'm trying that this time, hoping this time where I attempt to play it on a portable system that I can lay in bed and play for you know which, 30 minutes at night. Which version like is it again? The PS1. The PS1, okay. I thought, I thought I told you that was the worst version. You did tell me, but I don't, I don't have another solution for playing this mobily, and this, so this is what I'm doing. Vita um, is a legacy system, Dale. Yeah, true. And it's a... Uh, and there actually is a mode in, and you told me there's really terrible load times in the uh, Vita emulation software for PS One. You can actually go in and uh, eliminate the load times and oh, that okay. type of stuff. So I'm kind of playing around with that yeah. and seeing uh, how well it works with this game. So I guess it kind of uh, works differently with different games. Well, well, in that case, if you can eliminate all the extraneous load times that the PS One version had, you're basically just playing the Super NES version with some like CG cutscenes. So yeah, the cutscenes. In that case, it's you know it's all right. <clears throat> anyway, so I'm, I'm kind of dabbling with that. I'm maybe an hour and a half in, so I'm not terribly far. But uh, I really like the game from what I played in the past. What um, point did you? Are you at in the story then? Uh, right now they're at the Returners' hideout, so it's in uh, really Narsh or Narshay or whatever. Yeah, they're getting ready to head out to go. Okay. Get the Esper or whatever. Have you met any Marlboros um, yet? No, <laughs> I have not. Um, so I've I've gotten pretty far in this game several times. I've just never push through to the end so i really want to i'm hoping that if i do it on mobile while i'm traveling for work or laying in bed i can play it and kind of get through it so that's my goal you should go to so here's a few things you need to do in final fantasy 6 you have to uh get blown out of the arena by chupon in the arena place you have to go to the triangle island to fight the invisible behemoth intanger monsters uh because those give i think I think it's like the most experience of anything in the world of balance. Um, I don't know if they're available in the world of ruin. They might be. And get the Atma weapon because it's really awesome. Uh, yeah, there's a ton of crap you got to do in that game. Because oh, here's the thing: anytime you possibly can, if you have characters that have taken damage and are at the point where like their animation is crouched on the battle screen, they're, so they're close to death. Um, don't heal them right away. Give them a couple of chances to attack in that state because every now and then they'll, they'll do like a super, super rare, like mega ultra attack that um, is is completely unique and will probably just end the battle right away. Huh, cool. So, okay. Are you writing this down? You have it all? Uh, I have this <laughs> archived on my uh, listening device after we edit it. That's true. <laughs> all right. We expected an update. Uh, yeah, the other thing, um, so I've had uh, Alien Isolation installed for a long, long time. I've, uh, I had it gifted to me um, when it first came out, so I've kind of always wanted to play it. I did try it out on the Oculus Rift um, a while back when I had one of those. Uh, one of my buddies had an Oculus Rift, and uh, that game was really good on that. Um, so I wanted to play it. It's kind of been on my list. I kind of I made a short list of big games that I still have yet to play that I want to play. And these are a lot of just kind of recent games. So I've got my Assassin's Creed Unity, my Alien Isolation, my Dragon Age Inquisition, Witcher 3, etc. that I want to kind of finish. Um, so since I had this installed, I decided to fire it up. And and I'm, I'm, I'm only like maybe 20 or 30 minutes in, but I just have a funny story where I actually got online yesterday to play some Heroes of the Storm and logged into TeamSpeak. And I went into a channel where my brother was hanging out at and I tried to talk to my brother and he wasn't there and so I just kind of 
you know, decide not to play Heroes of the Storm at that point, load up Alien Isolation, and that game is pretty um, intense, uh, really atmospheric, even at the very, very beginning where you're walking around the space station that's kind of getting blown up and stuff, and it's all broken down, and uh, really scary and atmospheric, a lot of cool... Um, sound effects and you know ominous music and things like that and so so wait I, is this is this the one that was really bad or is this this is the good one that just came what out was the bad last one? year colonial Marines. Marines. Colonial, Marines. colonial Marines. that's right okay yeah this is the good one that's a scary one um anyway so i was i was creeping around through this area um and and all of a sudden my brother popped in on team speak and like scared the <laughs> out of me like he, he just like said something to me that totally caught me off guard like was you know and i'm like oh i'm like and i'm like and it totally caught me off guard. So the game so far, um, the atmosphere and the tense, how tense it feels even this early in the game um, really makes me excited to play it. Uh, so it's one of those games where similar to Amnesia, The Dark Descent, I'm going to force myself to play it uh, in the dark at night in my underwear in my basement. Um, oh, man, because, I hate scary games. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, do, so do I. I can't, I can't I, do this. <laughs> So I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna try to plug along, and so that's kind of on my installed list right now of games I want to play. Um, so anyway, I so I thought I'd bring those two up, and hopefully I can talk more about them later on. Uh, but what I really wanted to talk about is so all of us we all got into the Rising Thunder technical alpha, um, and uh, while Dale had a poor experience with the online capabilities, I was able to play a bunch, and so I just kind of wanted to uh, discuss a little bit about it and. Um, uh, talk with you guys about get your feedback and things like that. But so, Rising Thunder is a fighting game that is made by uh, Seth Killian and some of the other guys that are kind of involved in the Evolution uh, video game tournament that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, but basically, uh, so Seth Killian is a guy who is involved in. Uh, he used to work for Capcom. He's always a commentator for Street Fighter Four during Evo. In fact, the final boss of Street Fighter Four, Seth, is named for Seth Killian. Um, so he kind of branched out and wanted to make a fighting game that eliminated the complexity of the move sets, which boiled it down to its purest um, form of control. Where it, it doesn't require you know somebody who knows how can, who can handle the joystick and kind of pull off all the ridiculous combos, but it boils down to just being able to. Um, uh, I mean, there's 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 no. There's no button comp. There's no joystick movements to throw a fireball, for example. You have basically three attack buttons. So you have a light, a medium, and a heavy attack, and then you have three special moves per character, which is just your other three buttons um, that are used for that. Uh, you have a throw move, and then your special move, like your ultra, like in Street Fighter Four, is also performed with a single button press. Um, so it allows those people who don't have the time to invest in learning all that and getting good from a technical standpoint to be able to enjoy a fighting game um, and the cool parts of the fighting game which is actually learning the mind games and um, you know the different mechanics that make them unique outside of that type of stuff so uh, it is in pre-alpha it is it is a robot fighting game I believe it's made in the Unreal Engine if I'm not mistaken uh, I think I saw that logo when it booted up um, but I was able to get in and uh, play several online matches um, and uh, it feels really, really good. I, I liked it quite a bit. I thought it was it was nice to be able to um, not have to worry about learning the moves. I, you basically know all the moves because they're just a button press. It's just more about learning the combos and um, which are you know fairly easy to pull off uh, because of the the easiness of the moves. But were you so were you guys were you able to play it all, Jeremy? I don't know if you. No, I got I got into the alpha, but I was not near a computer that could run 
the game, so I'll be trying it this week. But but the way you described it, so you said there's no joystick movement associated with the combos. Did I hear you correctly? Right. right. So there's no like like a dragon punch usually forward, down, down, forward, and punch. Um, so there's characters that have a dragon punch style uppercut type move, but it's just a push of a button. To, so to do you duck and can you punch while yep. you're ducking? Can you jump and yep. punch yeah, while you're jumping? Yeah, it's it's just the special moves that are just one button press as opposed to a you know quarter circle or whatever. Oh, I see. Okay, so the other thing that they have in a lot of modern games is like a, a power meter or something like yep. that that you build up to pull those off. So you still have that. So there's a power meter. You can actually do combo breakers with it, and that uses up. It's kind of similar to like a Mortal Kombat, how it uses up some of your meter to break yeah. a combo, that type of thing. Um, and then also, I don't know if you're familiar with the. Uh, um, with Street Fighter, but dash canceling out of out of combos to kind of continue your combo. Mm-hmm. Um, so that also exists in the in the game um, and is really easy to pull off because it's not reliant upon, um, you know, being able to pull off those complex joystick movements and then dash cancel out and then continue on with more moves. It's more, you know, you're in a combo, then you double, you know, dash by double tapping in a direction the dash cancel out of it, it, you know, it uses up some of your meter and then you're able to kind of continue with your attack. Um, so all of that exists uh, at its core level in Street Fighter in the Street Fighter 4 series and upcoming Street Fighter 5, I'm sure. Um, but it just kind of removes all of the complexity of actually pulling off the moves and gets you into the mode of, okay, now I just need to learn uh, how to punish people, how to, and how the characters, you know, uh, fight up and match up against uh, other characters and you know those types of There's things. Uh, one important thing to note is that you don't have to execute a, a controller motion to pull off a special move, but your special moves all have cooldowns. Uh, that's that's true. So like yeah. a, it'll be a second, half half second, three seconds. You know, it just depends on the move. Yeah, depending on the move. And so the, the characters are all kind of the, your standard characters that you would... I mean, you, you could all you could compare a lot of them to the, a counterpart that's within Street Fighter series uh, to a degree. They all are kind of unique, and they're all robots. Um, the setting standpoint is they're robots, and they have drivers, and the drivers are from different Are they Are they, like, um, big? Countries. Like, like Pacific Rim Jaegers or something? Uh, I don't robots? really know the size. There's not really a whole lot to compare it to. Yeah. So I don't really know a whole lot. Hard to judge about. scale. But I know that they do have drivers that are driving these robots. So whether they're inside in suits or they're I, I, like don't, I don't operating know. remotely or something, right? Um, are they drift compatible? <laughs> I don't know. But the one I kind of latched onto was a one where the driver was from Mexico, um, and so all of her vo- vocals were all in Spanish, which was kind of fun. Nice. <laughs> um, I also played a Russian guy, and he had a, a rocket that he would launch out of his elbow, and, and he would always he would say Sputnik whenever he would shoot this rocket out. <laughs> um, and so... Yeah, that seems kind of racist. Yeah, it was, it was awesome, though. And, so, 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 it, just in, so in general, so you've sort of summarized how all of this is, is simplified for the in the name of fun. Is it fun? Does it succeed? Is that streamlining successful in what it's trying to do? I, I think so. I mean, I really like the Street Fighter characters, and I think a, a lot of what um, keeps me coming back to that is I like fighting with those characters. So hopefully this game can make uh, that part interesting enough to kind of keep my attention, so to speak. Um, I'm not so hardcore into a fighting game that I play just for just to be just to fight you know what i mean and just for yeah. the technical technicality of it um but from a gameplay perspective it is fun enough and it is it felt really really good to play when i played online um i won several matches i was able to win several matches and it felt like 
um, there was good enough competition. I, I always felt like I wasn't being held back by my inability to uh, do something uh, or do something complicated. Know, yeah, or or even you know you get in the rhythm of throwing a fireball, but even if you know if you're not really good at it, you're gonna miss one here and there. And people do it even like at high level. You know, you're you're gonna miss a move just because you failed to execute the you know the button combination or the little you know the full circle or whatever you're doing you know for the move. So um, from that standpoint, I, I think it felt really really good. It is a technical alpha, so. Um, they're clearly adding, going to add a whole lot to it, uh, but there's a lot of really heavy hitters that are kind of behind it. So I'm hoping that um, you know they'll do it right um, and make it good. Uh, a lot of I don't know if you guys remember that game, that dive kick game that was kind oh, of yeah. all the rage a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, where that that was kind of became a popular game because people felt that they could play it and it was so simple to play that you could kind of get into the a mental state of a fighting game. Um, with the way that you move and the way that you juke and, you know, you get your... And, and, you know, so dive kick, everything was one-hit kills, right? Right. Yes. Um, but it boiled down to you being... A, and it was like seven rounds per, you know, per game or something like like best of seven. Or you had to get seven kills to win the match or, or whatever. So it was a longer type of game. But it kind of forced you to kind of get into the mindset of a fighting game, which is... Um, basically, in dive kick, if you screwed up, you you were basically being punished, and it's the same type of mechanic with a street fighter, where if you miss a combo and um, overstep yourselves, then you're going to be punished by the air enemy player, and that's kind of what dive kick kind of broke down to: is how can you juke your player, catch them off guard, so that you can hit them once and kill them. Um, this kind of is that same type of way where you don't have to worry about memorizing all of the moves. You don't have to worry about that. You do have to learn the basic combos and stuff of the characters and learn how they they match up against each other, but you don't have to worry about you know, memorizing all the moves for every character, which I thought was really fun. Um, so then one last question. What are you using to play this? Are you using a fight stick, a controller, a keyboard? Unfortunately, my fight stick is is uh, packed away because we're moving soon. Um, so I couldn't get it out, and I was kind of angry about it. But it does uh, work well with a Xbox 360 controller, and that's what I ended up using on the PC. Um, and they, they did say, and one of the things that they kind of talk about in the game is, this is a fighting fighting game that you can play really really well with a keyboard because really there is no quarter circle you know it's you know you just have your buttons and that's it. You know so what I found? Um, I found actually playing Super Street Fighter Four Ultra or you know whatever that one is that I own. Um, I actually found playing that with a keyboard, I was able to pull off special moves better than with an Xbox pad. Oh really? Um, <clears throat> and that's especially with like charge characters. Because with a keyboard, you, you can kind of cheat by holding two directions at once, um, which you can't do with a stick, obviously. Um, not only that, but I found like the half circle motions to be actually easier just by sort of like sliding ASDF or, or like ASD rather. Um, mm-hmm. And it shouldn't work, but I found that it actually did. <laughs> it, <laughs> I, I actually found that it was, a, it was easier to do a lot of special moves on the keyboard, which is strange but um kind of cool well nobody nobody tests their pc ports so you probably (laughs) probably get away with it forever (laughs) yeah anyway so i'm excited to see where rising thunder ends up going um i i don't know if i see myself playing a lot of it for the time being it is you know technical alpha and while i didn't have any problems getting into matches and playing it um i'd like to i like we talked about in the past i like to kind of put my time into something when I can actually get the full experience out of it. So um, as it gets worked on, um, you know, I'll keep poking my head back in there and seeing what's going on. And uh, yeah, look forward to what's going to come with it. So Nice. 
Well, very good. Well, speaking of accessibility, we are quite accessible on Twitter. You can reach out to us if you like something that we heard. If you didn't like something that you heard, uh, you can tell us about it on Twitter, at Show. You can also reach out to us individually. I am at Jeremy underscore Lamont. You can find me at Legrand. I'm at Count underscore Elmdor. And, of course, you can find our compatriot Jared Redeye Dunn at R-E-D underscore I. And this past week, uh, he actually was playing a little bit of Rising Thunder, so you can check that out on our YouTube archive, youtube.com slash Show. Uh, he streams from twitch.tv slash Show at least once a week, but you can also just go to our website, Game Bite Show, and see all of these things there. Uh, we will be back at the top of this next week to talk about the news, uh, new releases, and a topic. Actually, I'll be absent again for, for this uh, for this weekend show, so uh, we'll, we'll see if we can't rope Jared back into uh, to another show. He seems to enjoy it, so... We'll, uh, we'll get him on for that. But uh, you, of course, are certainly welcome to join us each and every week. And so thank you very much for listening to us tonight. And uh, we will see you on our next show. Later. See ya.